um, <sighs> today I am, uh, hi you guys, welcome to my show. Um, today, actually about five minutes ago, I am, um, forced to remember that fan is actually short for fanatic. I, um, Damn. Just damn. Okay, so for the record, um, this year I have posted um around a hundred and twelve thousand words to my main site. Uh not counting any rough trade projects, anything on wild hair, it's just on KiraMarcos.com, dot com, over a hundred K. Um, this year, uh, that's actually a little low for me, but, no, uh, you know what, I'm not going to offer any kind of excuse, because you don't deserve one, um, what I write, when I post, what I post, and where I post, is my decision, and nobody else's, and, you don't get to make those decisions for me. And bitching about something in my email is a really good way of getting yourself banned because you're giving me your IP address. It's just a pro tip. Now, while you can get around an IP ban, it'll make your life difficult. And I will go out of my way to do that. I once banned the entire country of Germany for like a whole month just to get back at one person. Who lived in Germany? And, you know, to get an email <laughs> where basically I'm instructed uh, to work on projects I've already got instead of participating in Rough Trade in, in November makes me want to smack somebody in the face. And, um, despite my, um, very obvious attitude, I'm not actually a violent person. So, to get to that point, it was just like, oh, oh, oh I want to punch them. I want to, I want to slap the taste out of their mouth. And I don't get the arrogance. I don't get the, the entitlement, um, of that particular thing. Um, it's almost as bad as being, oh, being, being told, I wish you hadn't done this. Um, particular pairing, uh, I, I wish you hadn't done this particular thing, or uh, I, w- I wish you hadn't used this trope, I wish you'd stop writing soulmate bond fix, um, I really, really, really hope you don't write any more female McKay, boom, whole series born, because you know Hold My Coffee is was done completely out of spite, right, because someone asked me not to write because I had written a short called Meredith, which was actually ends up being the first scene in Hold My Coffee, um, and someone immediately responded to that fic and begged me not to, or ordered beg slash instructed me not to write any more McKay because they, um, female McKay because they hate it. Boom. I wrote 100K. That's what the 100K on my site is. I put aside everything else I was working on, including my synthetic rewrite, to write, hold my coffee. And I regret nothing. But 
I'm pretty sure I did 50k of almost 50k of revenue over the summer on Rough Trade. So, probably, and then counting what I haven't actually published to the um, website, which apparently talking about my works in progress, even ones that I'm almost finished with, is apparently too much to bear for this person because it's um, unfair for me to discuss fix that I haven't posted on my site. Y'all can kiss my ass. If you think that way. Um, so dead serious. Kiss my ass. Anyways. <clears throat> oh, do thank them. Thank them. Because it was... And that's actually why it's called Hold My Coffee. Because in the midst of it... um. I was, like, talking to Lady Holder, who is out having a life, um, and um, I was like, someone told me not to write any more female McKay. Hey, Lady Holder, hold my coffee. <laughs> Boom. I think I wrote that first episode, like, in two days, because I was so pissed off that someone had the audacity to tell me what I can and cannot write. But to get an email, basically... Um, telling me that I'm selfish for participating in challenges on Rough Trade because I have other works in progress and other series that I could be giving my time to, my writing time to. Um, I don't, you know, there, there's... There's a general level of entitlement in, in fandom that we that we all deal with as um, both as readers and as writers. I'm not saying you know writers have just much sometimes more entitlement in fandom than than, than readers do, um, and they also create um, situation and an atmosphere um, that breeds a certain kind of reader that gets inflicted on all of us. Um, but to encounter that, and I, and I was like, you know what? You, the, uh, I want to punch people. This one person in particular. Not all people. Most people. A lot of people. I like to punch a lot of people. <laughs> but it's just super annoying. Speaking of fandom entitlement, we're going to be talking about Harry Potter this evening. And if I've ever encountered a group of entitled readers, it is Harry Hermione Shippers. Oh my god, guys. I love you, but come on. You're fucking terrible. Oh. I've been um, reading on Reddit, and they have these Harry Potter um, forums on Reddit, and I came across one about me, um, and uh, the person was wrecking Darkly Loyal, which was on um, Rough Trade in April during our Mulligan Challenge, and one of the first comments um, was somebody complaining about how shoddy it was. S-H-O-D-D-Y, for those of you who don't quite get my accent, shoddy. And I'm thinking, motherfucker, that's my rough draft. What do you expect? I don't even think I spell-checked that bitch. I mean, I might have spell-checked. I'm not sure. I don't really remember. But it's my rough draft. Anyways, I was like, double bird. Shoddy. And you know what? And this is ugly, and I'm going to say it. And I actually said it on my response, but then I deleted it because it was pure assholery. Um, 
my rough draft is better than some people's completed work. Baited up on the fucking site like it's final. Okay? So fuck you. Is that ugly? Yes. Is it true? Also, yes. Anyways, Julie's on the line, and she writes Harry Potter, so I'm going to make her participate with me um, this evening. I am actually a chapter and a half off of finishing Broccoli Lowell, and like I said on Reddit, um, I'm going to put it through beta, and when it gets up on my site, it'll be much less shoddy than it was when it was on Rough Trade during the Rough Draft Challenge. Much less shoddy. Right? <laughs> shoddy is such a terrible word. What the hell? Shoddy. <laughs> it's, it was like, bitch, that's my rough trip. I was like, I was floored. I mean, because it's one thing to complain about, you know, how I always write soulmate fix or how I always, you know, um, I'm in love with this cliche or this cliche or this trope. But to call my work, my rough draft shoddy is just ugly. Oh, completely ugly. What is wrong with people? I can't find Anyways. the chat room. I lost, I lost the chat room. How did that happen? Lost chat. I mean, that's just, that's just really just the worst kind of behavior. That means you have so many, that means you have too many tabs open, sweetheart. So that's what that means. <laughs> there can't be more than, I don't know, 40, 50 maybe. I have, I actually have three browser windows open on my site, um, on my, my command center. So I have two monitors and I have, two on a half screen um each they they each have half a screen and um i've got one two three four i've got five tabs open across three different browsers um windows 40 yeah (laughs) you underachiever (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, I had no idea that there were that wasn't a requirement. I, mean, I, I use Chrome; it's already a resource hog. I don't need to put forty or fifty tabs up there. Well, I mean, I've also got two other browsers open. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep my identities in different browsers, right? That's how I don't fuck things up. So I have different identity, you know, different identities or rather than logging in repeatedly, you know, I just keep my real stuff in one browser and Jilly in another browser and another pseudonym in another browser. Not a fan fiction pseudonym, just a work pseudonym. Who needs pseudonyms for their work? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Every writer should. That's right. Um. If you're in fandom, you should have a pseudonym. If you're writing professionally, you should have a pseudonym. You do not want to give people a window into your private life. They can get your goddamn address with your name now these days. It is not, I mean, even in the 80s and 90s, that was possible, but it is bad today. You don't want anybody having your real name um, while, you know, just wildly out there if you're doing things like, um, 
if, if you're writing or if you have an attitude problem like me, um, especially if you're writing erotica <laughs> or porn, um, you don't yes. want people, you don't want men to have your um, real name. And I know that's ugly to say, but some of the most prolifically fucked up, horrible situations I've been involved in um, have been invo- have have been men who um, who became emotionally and in- or dick obsessed with my with my work in ways that um made me deeply uncomfortable um wanting me to write personal erotica for them um wanting me to to get on um like facebook and and cyber with them um and you don't want assholes like that having your having your real name No, you really, really don't, because it's it's surprisingly easy to find people these days. I get, on the average, of 15 or 20 men um, a week on Facebook messaging me, um, telling me how hard I make them. Gross. I know. Why do they think you want to hear that? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you see what that's doing? Her e her um, her ooh isn't working out. <laughs> it's auto correcting and trying to make it a website. That's hilarious. Had to try it. I'm like that person that has to stick their finger in the socket on their own to make sure you're really going to get zapped. I'm that person that will taste something terrible and then immediately give it to my friend. Here, taste this. And they're like, what this the hell? Like Why shit. did you do taste that? This. And they do. <laughs> this smells horrible. Smell this. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I have encountered terrible situations in fandom. So, um, and even in my professional life, where I have been in situations where um, men have messaged me and emailed me, and um, the last thing I'd want them to do is be able to call me. And fifty dollars on the average people finder site can get your address, your phone number your work history, your relatives. I mean, you can find out like, people who their siblings are, who they're married to. I mean, just craziness. And this is all public record. Embrace your inner Bruce Wayne. Embrace it. You need the secret identity. <laughs> it is super important. Don't be like Tony Stark. <laughs> you don't know any better. <laughs> Thirty-four ninety-five. Barb saying that seems specific. <laughs> Barbara, is there something we need to know? <laughs> I 
Oh, wow. Summer is cheap. It's $5. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, it's it's really easy and obviously cheap to get someone's information, so be careful. Um, I bet you're saying nothing. Um, So we're going to talk about Harry Potter this evening and um, different tropes. And if you've read my work, you know what my favorite tropes are. (laughs) It should be no secret. I fucking love time travel fix. I fucking love soulmate fix. I love revenge, and if I can't bash a Weasley, I'm not having a good time. <laughs> well, Weasley bashing, what? it's no kind of story without Weasley bashing. I agree. At least some Weasley. At least Ron. <laughs> At least Ron. <laughs> At least Ron. <laughs> Because it's so infuriating, the whole Ron thing with the, because he's so, he's such a fucking narcissist, and um, it's, it's well, he's really, disloyal. he's very disloyal, he's uh, verbally and emotionally abusive, um, he's lazy and jealous. And I just, um, aside, I read this Reddit called Just No Mother-in-Law about crazy-ass mother-in-laws that daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws have to deal with. And I was reading it the other day, and I was thinking to myself, because it's like my new fandom. I'm not even going to apologize. I am totally a drama llama. I love that shit. Um, (laughs) It's terrible. I feel bad for them, but I'm really entertained by it, and I'm not even ashamed of myself. Okay, so... It can't be any worse than reality TV or Jerry Springer. Okay, which I don't watch. But what I was thinking was, is if Hermione actually existed, she would be on that site. Because Molly is definitely a just-no mother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Imagine. Molly would be all up in her business about everything. I mean, they they have stories in this forum about women, about mother-in-laws who insist on being in the delivery room, about mother-in-laws who've um, made copies of their house keys and come into their house. Uh, One lady, um, her mother-in-law was being a real crazy person about the new baby who was a couple of weeks old. Um, And they told her not to come over because she was just driving the new mom crazy and not letting her bond with her baby, which was increasing her postpartum depression. But every time the woman came over, she jerked the baby out of the mother's hands and would only let her have the baby when she was breastfeeding it. That was it. And it was causing bonding problems. So they told her not to come over. So the mom um, wakes up in the middle of the night and realizes that her baby hasn't woken her up to feed. It's like 3 in the morning. She goes into the nursery, and her baby is gone. Holy crap. The mother-in-law has used her emergency key to come into the house and take the infant at at 2.30 in the morning because the husband is grabbing the phone. The mother is in hysterics. The husband is grabbing the phone, his cell phone, to call the police, sees a text message, and it's his mom, and she's taking a fucking selfie with the baby at her house.
And I was thinking to myself when I was reading these these various, I was like, that is exactly the kind of thing Molly Weasley would do. Yeah. It is. Ew. And of course, you know, she was, um, um, the, the mother was inconsolable and got the key back and they changed the locks and the mother and that mother-in-law hasn't been allowed anywhere near them in, in over a year. But I was like, that is just insane. And actually, it isn't even one of the worst things I've read on that forum. And every time I read it, I think to myself, Molly Weasley would be on this forum if Hermione existed. <laughs> and the best part is they give their mother-in-laws these terrible names like... um the bathroom czar, which is hilarious, but she's crazy as fuck. And, like, um, this one woman calls her mother-in-law Pennywise. How fucking evil do you gotta be <laughs> to well, earn the there, nickname Pennywise? Didn't you tell me about a mother-in-law who came in and planted spy cams all over the house yes. to prevent her, her daughter or her daughter-in-law from rearranging the furniture? Every time she yeah. moved something, she'd call and ask her to quit moving the furniture or something like that? Yes. That's just fucking deranged. Or there was the mother-in-law who... Oh, and this is great. And, the, and then we're going to go to Harry Potter, I swear. Um, the mother-in-law... It's not great. It's terrible what she tried to do. Um, tried to get power of attorney. Her son was overseas serving in the military. I won't tell you where. Um, although I, I think that eventually the location would edit it out. The mother-in-law sent her son power of attorney papers and tried to get her son to sign them. And he refused, and he called his dad, and he said, what is going on? You know, mom has asked for power of attorney. Um, is Has something happened? You know, what, what's going on? And apparently his mom had lined up a divorce attorney and was going to divorce his wife for him while he was serving overseas. Meanwhile, the wife is seven months pregnant. Because the mother has decided that the baby isn't her son's. Because her, the, the son and the wife met while he was on leave, oh, and they met in Europe, had a whirlwind couple of weeks she comes home she's pregnant makes sense right to everybody who's normal except it didn't make sense to his mother so she assumed the baby wasn't his and was and she already had the divorce practically paid for all she needed was to get the power of attorney so she could sign in her her son's name holy crap she tried to take over the bank accounts to kick the girl out of the house. I mean, she was just insane. Now, they got a restraining order on her ass. <laughs> and the thing is, this woman is so batshit, she has never met her grandchildren, and she now has three. Because, of course, Damn. the daughter-in-law wanted nothing to do with her. This is insane. <laughs> then there was a mother. Oh, I shouldn't. There was a mother-in-law in Britain who um, got uh, who picked up her grandchildren without permission from 
uh, daycare and took them out of the country. Which I, I guess is pretty easy to do in Britain. You know, because it's so small. And I think she took them to France for the day or something. I don't know. Um, that, my friends, is international kidnapping. <laughs> she went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> to jail. <laughs> wow. Anyways. But there is also a mother in law named Petunia Dursley on that forum. She fucking earned it too, let me tell you. Um <sighs> Oh, I love them. Jilly is doing my um my art for November because I am fucking participating. But you know, That's right. you could actually put your challenge would be a fucking terrible mother in law. Poor Dudley's wife. Double. She's got Dudley and she's gotta put up with Petunia. And that uh, the, the aunt, what was the aunt's name? Um, uh, Marge. Marge, Aunt Marge. Oh my God, could you imagine Aunt Marge? Oh, no, it'd be terrible. That poor girl. <sighs> yeah, Dudley's wife would be over on Toxic Mother-in-Laws. Dot <laughs> com too. <laughs> Maybe her and Hermione end up in the same support group. <laughs> It's just terrible, but I um uh I also have gotten grief from, from the Harry Potter fandom about my stance on um scary fic. I'm not going to apologize for that ever. I think it's disgusting. He's a monster. It's, it's and in order to redeem him, I have to rewrite most of his life to redeem him. It's one of the and I, that's exactly it. It's one of those things is where is if you're. Uh, for me, it's like if an author wants to, you know, redeem Snape, it can't just be, you know, a late-in-life thing. It's got to be, you got to work for it. Um, at least, you know, for me to enjoy it. You know, they can do whatever they want, but, if you know, for me to enjoy it and for me to buy it, 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 has, to, it has to be an in-depth um, reworking of his character, going way back. And... Um, it it just you know I mean it's and I, I and I don't find I find that you know usually it, most of the stories are more along the lines of or most of the pop pro Snape six I, mean, I can kind of deal with him as a background character who's not completely horrible but if he's gonna be a primary character in the story I I need a little bit more than just um, woke up when Harry was sixteen and had an epiphany after treating him terribly and betraying Lily and all of that it's just no. No, 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 no. And I don't. And well, and and with with Snare, there's also the issue of I don't typically read big age differences. So, but that's that's one of that's a personal choice. So even if even if Harry is, I mean, unless Harry's like you know sixty, <laughs> you know the age difference starts to 
diminish as they get older. But you know, I, I haven't I haven't read anybody pairing sixty year old Harry with eighty year old Snape. But <laughs> the, the other side of that being is that. Um, be profoundly mentally unhealthy to be with somebody that emotionally and mentally abusive. I agree to that. I once said on a podcast that I would challenge anybody to find me a snary fic that was written before the first movie. That wasn't written as abuse. Because I'm sure somebody wrote something horrible. Yeah, that was before uh, the first a positive snary fic written and posted before the first movie was cast. Because once Rickman was cast, the whole thing changed. Because even J.K. Rowling said to a fan during a uh, Q&A, the fan started her uh, question off by saying that she loves Severus Snape. And J.K. Rowling said, no, you don't. You love Alan Rickman. That's right. But, you know, some people write movie verse only. They don't, you know, and and that's one of those things that can be um, a, a dividing line in a fandom, right, is that there are people who write book verse or some kind of combination of the two, and there's people who only write movie verse Harry Potter. And if there's a big, a big uh, difference in perception about a particular element or character or a plot point or something that really divides the two, the books and the movies, then you can have a big divide in the fandom. It's like, well, are you writing? And Harry Potter never made a distinction. Like some um, some stories, some stuff makes a distinction between um, are you writing book verse, are you writing that verse, are you writing original, are you writing new, whatever. I mean, there's there's layers in the fandom to help identify what it is you're writing. But Harry Potter never made any distinction between the book verse and the movie verse. And one of the biggest changes, of course, is Snape. And how he's perceived. I never watched the movies. Is is he really not as abusive in the movies as he is in the books? He's abusive. I don't think he comes comes off as abusive in the movies. Or maybe it's just there's not as many instances. Um, but I, I do think I do think he's more tolerable in the movies. Sometimes the only way I can tell that I'm reading that I'm reading a writer who has never read the books is. Um, the scene where Harry meets Draco Malfoy for the first time. Because if they're meeting on the train, that's someone who's read the books. If they're meeting shortly before the sorting in Hogwarts, that's someone who's only watched the movies. Mm. Pardon me. <clears throat> or someone who prefers the movie meeting. Um, because in the movie, Harry doesn't meet Draco until they're getting ready to be sorted when they're all in a little group. And that's when the refused, and that's really a big thing, I think, as far as characterization goes, choosing that meeting first. Because when they meet on the train, Harry only refuses to shake Draco's hand in front of Ron and Draco's two friends. Um, but if you have them meeting shortly before the sorting, and Draco offering Harry his hand, and Harry refuses, he's refusing in front of every single other first year. Now, I mean like the school meeting, not the Madame Malcolm's meeting. That happens in the book and in the movie. I'm talking about the handshake. Um, 
And I don't think he actually learned Draco's name in the fitting, the Malkin's wardrobe meeting. I think that they kind of cross paths and um, Harry thinks he's a little asshole. They also cross paths in the wand shop. But there's no discussion in the wand shop between them, I don't think. But the handshake and the formal meeting happens on the train in the book and shortly before the sorting in the movie. And that's actually when I turned it off because I was like, no, I'm done. Because that changes so much about their interactions. For Harry to refuse his friendship in front of all of their peers changes everything. Yeah, it does. I have to admit, I conflate the two a little bit in my mind because I've read the books. I hadn't, I haven't re, especially the early books. I haven't reread pretty much since they were published. Um, since I was reading them to my little sister. And so the movies are much more recent for me. So the the two, and then fan fiction is even more recent than that. So it all gets kind of jumbled up in my head as to what's what. Um, but I do remember when I saw the movies, I did think Snape was softer. Less, um, he was abrupt and distant and rude, but he didn't come across quite as abusive to me as he did in the books. I think it's because the emotional content that you get from Harry's point of view in the books um, is yeah. largely missing in the movie. Yeah, and so it, it. I think that so I think if someone is strictly a movie verse writer, it could really explain how they could have a very different perception of Snape than if they had ever read the book books. Because people, people haven't read the books. People are not readers. As much as that stuns me on a day to day basis, people are not readers. <laughs> um, I have encountered that mythical person who hasn't read a book since high school. I don't want to ever speak to them again. But yeah. And people are like, but reading's boring. That's what I have movies for. That's what I have TV for. I don't like to read. I'll wait for the movie. Okay. So people like visual entertainment. All right. I've always been more, you know, I've always liked books better than um, movies, depending on the thing. Some things I actually thought the movie was better. But in general, I'm more of a book person. So, But there are people who aren't into books, and so they never read the Harry Potter books. And then they see the movie, and so their perception of Everything is based upon the movie or what they pick up in, in what they think of as fanon. And it's very difficult if you're a movie-verse writer, you know, um, or a, re- a reader of fan fiction who's only seen the movie-verse, and you see some pervasive things in stories that were not in the movies, is how do you know, was that in the books, or was that something that's become fanon? I have a problem with fanon, especially in Harry Potter, in that I mix things together in my head. <clears throat> I was reading, um, um, I was reading uh, the Chamber of Secrets, and I was like, I thought Dobby was in this more. I thought I thought there was more Dobby, but that's just a fanon thing. There really isn't a whole lot of Dobby in Chamber of the Secrets. I mean, there's some, but there's not a lot. But when you read fandom, it's like Dobby's everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just bouncing in and out constantly. So somebody made it, I'm just going random, random tangent. Somebody mentioned that they'll read a book before seeing the movie. I'm actually the opposite. And the reason why is if I have a choice, like if I, assuming I hadn't already read the book when the movie comes out, but if I haven't read the book already, 
I usually will see the movie before reading the book. And the reason is because a lot of times movies can be a comparative disappointment if you really enjoy the book. But if you see mm-hmm. the movie first, you can be delighted by the movie and then get even more out of the book. And you don't diminish your enjoyment of either. So if I haven't read the book already and it's coming out and I'm intrigued by the book, I will watch the movie and then read the book. So that's just me, but yeah. I, I know a, a lot, lot of people times the who book are, will ruin a movie for me because the movie is like really disappointing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's a shadow of what the book usually is, especially if the book is good. Um, and so because of that, because I don't want the movie ruined for me or to be going in there with a the comparative thing, I will, um, if, if I'm intrigued by the book, or the idea of whatever the movie book thing coming out is, I'll wait and see the movie first so I can at least enjoy it before reading the book and going, oh, my God, I can't believe they left this out. Why would they do that? Oh, my God. That way the bazillion dollars I'm spending to see a movie isn't wasted by being pissed off that it's not like the book. So, Random tangent. Um, so Harry <laughs> Potter tropes. Um, I was really surprised to find that Winky wasn't in the movies. She was barely. I think what she got one scene. You get kind of barely see her in the, in the at the at the uh, World Cup. You, you kind of kind of see her. I think, as I recall, but she's like not really there. <sighs> I switched over. I finally found the tab where I had. Well, there's the original chat room. Oh, you found um, it. I found. Well, I've I've opened it three times now, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I will find it again. Um, where did the thing go? So I found my tab with a list of tropes and fan works, and I was curious. I'll just scan it, and immediately, this one of the one of the, the top section is character transformations and non-human characters. And um, really, one of the things that jumped out at me right away was centaurification. <laughs> like I don't even know what to click on that. Centaurification. I, I'm like I don't even know if I want to click on that and find out what the fuck you it don't. is. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because I'm brave. She's clicking on it. Harry the centaur. It's shape shifting. It's basically shape shifting into a centaur. Unlike with animal transformation fix and centaur fix, being a centaur is usually considered the natural state for the character. Usually this makes it an AU. <laughs> usually? Usually? <laughs> um and unlike with most plain canon centaurs, a character subject to centaurification is not in centaur form all the time, but is a shape sister, thus reconciling canon events happening with the character's centaur nature. Whatever. Although permanent centaur AUs exist, oh, it says probably exist, um, I, I don't know if permanent ones do, because they give examples of all the ones that have shape-shifting. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't need to see that. I, have, I didn't need to see I, that. I, oh dear. I have rules. 
Um, actually, impl- the implications of what happens to Umbridge in um, canon, both in the book and in the movie, um, apparently. Um, I haven't seen the movie, obviously, um, but definitely in the book, is um, horrific. Because in mythology, centaurs kidnapped human women to rape them. Gang rape them. Yeah, and 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 in in the, in the movie, she's dragged <clears throat> off by the centaurs at the. And that's the last you see of her. Um, in that movie, I think. No, you see, you see her kind of mussed up and dirty in a newspaper article. I think. All right, people, no more you. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to tame our ewes. Down to one or two W's. So here you go. Here's an example of centaurification. Because why shouldn't I share? Did it go through? No, there it is. Um, I think definitely. I think rich Harry Potter is a, is a trope. Um, but I don't think it's a very big one because you know, I remember watching um a, a YouTube video where Harry opens his vault for the first time, and there's, like, this giant pile of money. And that happens in the book, too, and it's never really referenced again. I like I like Rich Harry. Um, prefer it. I, I It's just... Usually it's because... I think it's because usually I have big plots, and I don't want to deal with... Money, um, Harry. Money, the money issues on top of everything else. It's like why add more, why add more chaos to my day? Um, and also because I think it, I think that ties into the shopping trope, um, the shopping trip trope where you have to buy sh- Harry all the things. Because when when we're introduced to Harry um, as an eleven year old. Um, we we learn that Harry is is greatly neglected and deprived. He's and he doesn't get what Dudley gets, and he doesn't get he's ne- he's just he's just terribly neglected. And so you want to give him all the things. You you just want to. So he has all the money. And you know my favorite my favorite trope beyond any other is Lord Potter. I fucking love to make oh, yeah. him a title. It's my favorite thing to do. Um. Which is how I ended up making him a king in the story. Um, I just because I just love I just love it, and that could be the American in me, um, because you know we don't have that kind of thing here, and um, so that whole British royal thing really amuses me, and the whole nobility and just all of it just really amuses me and um, makes me happy. And when I'm writing, my, my my goal is to be happy. So Superpower Harry is going to happen. Lord Potter is going to happen. It's going to happen, 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 because those things make me happy. And why should I write things that don't make me happy? Exactly. I, you know, I, ha- I hated time travel before I started reading Harry Potter. Um, if you if you had asked me before I started stumbling on the Harry Potter fan, if you had asked me what my least favorite tropes were, um, the two the two common tropes. There's actually one that's not quite as common that I hate more, but the two common tropes that I cannot could not stand up until Harry Potter. And one of them I still can't stand: uh, time travel and amnesia. Um, I'm and, not on amnesia myself. Yeah, amnesia is just especially if it's if it's if it's the if it's the if it's the plot device where like it's pervasive through the whole story as opposed to like you know 
the 24-hour amnesia or whatever. <laughs> but just if, if it's the plot device, I typically do not like that as a trope. Um, but and the, other, and the other one, I couldn't stand time travel stories. I hated them. And then I stumble into Harry Potter, um, and it's just rife with time travel stories. And I loved it. I loved it. And I think it's because Harry's life needed a redo so badly that it's really the only way to fix shit. It, it, well, it's not the only way. It's the best way for me to feel satisfied that shit is being fixed in Harry Potter is time travel. And it's like an just, AU just, or time travel. Because yeah. if, you, if, if you're going to AU it, you need to AU it early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get, get in there early. If you're not going to AU it, time travel the fuck out of that for a fix-it fix. And it's so satisfying to just go back and do all of that crap over and do it right or do it differently or let the adults be adults. Whatever it is, get Harry some fucking clothes. Time travel. And I just get kind of like Get some damn underwear that belongs to him. That's right. <laughs> And, and and an actual belt, not a, not a length of rope. And I just I you know time travel stories in Harry Potter are some are some of my favorites. You know I just want to I want to cuddle them and call them George. They're just awesome. And I hated that trope before Harry Potter. So it's just one of those things that's funny about tropes is that you can not you think you can't stand a trope until it's in the right setting and it, or it's in, or it's in a it's in a position where it's doing something magical and then all of a sudden you're all for it and you understand how it became a trope. I don't read much time travel outside of Harry Potter and I think I've only written one outside of Harry Potter and that would be um, Iterum that I wrote in Stargate fandom. Um, and for for me, it's it's always, honestly, when I write it, it's always the last resort, it seems to be, or it was done against their will in, in that old black magic. But in Darkly Lowell and a couple other fics that I have going that I haven't um, put out anywhere, it's always like the their last choice. There's nothing left. This is what they've got. You know, because I don't think, <coughs> pardon me. I don't think time travel should be done um, willy-nilly. Yeah, it's like, oh, I've got, I've got a way to go back in time, and you know, whenever I want, however I want. That's just unless you're just going to be rotten crack and then go fuck it. I'm going, I'm, you know what? This doesn't work for me anymore. (laughs) You got giant crack fix. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the big, the big Harry, the big uh, Harry Potter story I've written um, is time travel, um, and it's not. Although in that case, I didn't do as much as a, as a last resort as it was. Um, I mean, Sirius had nothing left to lose, so for him, I mean, he was, it was his life was over at that point, um, and all he had seen is he spent years watching Harry be miserable, and. Um, so I think it was a last resort in terms of the fact for Harry to have a decent life. Then um, you're right. But, I did write some Hobbit time, time travel, but it's not published on my site yet. I think yeah. there could be an EAD one or, or maybe even a couple. So, But I haven't put them out um, on my site. <clears throat> but I kind of, I think I kind of took, I think Sirius was kind of in a, I, I, I played on, or worked with Sirius being a little bit impetuous, despite the time he'd had to settle down. 
um, and being really angry as his motivation for going back and really just wanting to do better for Harry, wanting Harry to have a better life. There is actually, Azure, in my revenge fic where Harry decides to go back in time with Hermione um, because he's stuck in a marriage he doesn't want because he was potioned, which is also a big trope in Harry Potter potion fics. Um, the ritual came about because a black ancestor in a black family decided that an ancestor in the black family decided that they wanted to go back and kill somebody again because they didn't enjoy it as, as much as they thought they would the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go do that again. That just, I need to do over on that. <laughs> it wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I need to put more effort into that. <laughs> Try different Put your methods. back into it. <laughs> so, yeah, but that was where the ritual came from. That's not why Harry used it, but that's where it came from in the black family because I thought that would be really funny. It was hilarious. Yeah, the one where him and Wahlberger are bros. Yeah, that, yeah that's the one. Yeah. But I, I do think there's some fandoms that, that are inherently, that lean themselves to time travel. Um, Harry Potter is one. <sighs> For fuck's sake, The Hobbit better be the other. Because come on, could, it, could, that, could that really have ended any worse? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. The Bilbo only way it die. could have actually ended worse than, is, is if Bilbo died right there with him. That that yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been worse. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I did it in um, Stargate Atlantis because um, the time travel is canon in Stargate. Um, John does it. Um, all of SG One does it. Um, in a way, Rodney kind of did it in holographic form, so to speak. Um, uh, it's canon in Star Trek as well but for me to write it I it isn't I don't like writing accidental time travel like you know where they have to get back without hurting anything without damaging the timeline I like to write time travel where they say fuck the timeline screw all that it was bullshit we're not doing that again (laughs) I'm changing all this shit you gave you gave me a plot bunny um, that you didn't want. You didn't want. You were going to offer it for adoption. I said, no, no, I'll take it. I don't oh, yeah, remember this. It. Okay. Huh? Go ahead. Tell me what. Tell me what I got because I've already forgotten. Oh, this is a while ago. When you say it. Okay. This is a while ago, and I decided to. And it was a. It was a time travel bunny, but I had to decide what I was going to do with it, and I actually started working on it. And I decided to cross it with Stargate. Um, and you had posited the idea that Tony gets the opportunity to travel back in time, and what he does with it is he saves Shannon and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember or that. In the, yeah. Yeah. So you said you said you you came up with the idea. You said I don't want to write it, but we were talking about. You said you were going to put it on the on on up for adoption. I said no, 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 I want it. So I decided. <laughs> I decided to do another Tony's a shepherd with that, but he doesn't know. Um, and he finds out, you know, that they the 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 wraith come and everybody dies, and um, after he dies a horrible death, never having gotten together with Gibbs, 
um, who he had been kind of pining for. Da, 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 da. Anyway, so he finds out. He's given the opportunity. The ancients kind of all, like, we're sad. Um, we fucked up. We didn't think that the earth would actually fall to the race. Um, we should have intervened. Um, so we are going to let a few people go back. And you're one of the people we believe is a key player in being able to fix I'm so this shit. I'm excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> And Tony's like, why would I, why would I be a key player? Because Tony doesn't know that he's Patrick's son, and um, so he's not he, uh, maybe this time. Is he like a oops baby? The mom had an affair, baby. <laughs> mom mom had baby. an affair, and Patrick <laughs> uh, and uh, um, so yeah. And so in this one, and uh, in this one, Tony's the youngest. So um, and it was it was Patrick's first fling after his wife died. So Tony is an oops baby that Patrick doesn't even know about. So they explained to him that you know that all that that you know all of the Shepherd brothers um, that he's actually not told this what actually is happening is all of the Shepherds are given the opportunity to go back and fix shit, but they each have a piece of the information. Anyway, so um, Tony agrees to do this. But he's a little mercenary about it, is that he wants the opportunity to fix things for Gibbs because he realizes with this time travel thing and going back and he's going to be entrenched in the Stargate program that he's never going to have, he's never going to see Gibbs again. And so he um, gets the information he needs to be able to save Shannon and Kelly so that Gibbs can have his future while Tony's somewhere else entirely. So, oh, that's so bittersweet and beautiful. Terrible. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> I'm super it's excited. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I went with that. So I went because I was like, "What am I gonna do with this time travel bunny?" And then I went, "Well, I do like making Tony a shepherd." <laughs> so time travel doesn't, but so time travel works in some fandoms and not so much in others. And I think that. Um, it's sort of like, well, for me, if you're going to use that time travel trope in a fandom where there's not something that in, there, there has to be a hook that makes it plausible. Doctor Who, Stargate, um, you know, fantasy where there's magic, something that can make time travel make sense. But just kind of like random time travel in a crime drama tends to, I mean, you got to cross it over with something that's got that hook. It's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like Mpreg in a world where, um, there's no magic fantasy element where the characters aren't intersex, or what? It's just, it's just straight, straight old random human randomly getting pregnant. For me, it, it, it's a little bit difficult with the suspension of disbelief. Um, so, uh, and the same thing with time travel. You know, is it when you cross it with a fandom like Stargate or something like that? Um, you you deal with that suspension of disbelief issue. And Harry Potter inherently has a suspension of disbelief around time travel solved because they time travel in canon. Granted, it's not very far, but it's still there. It's established that it's possible. They even establish in Harry Potter canon that two people, that the same person can exist in, they don't have that, you know, quantum mirror thing, quantum tremors or whatever they call them in Stargate, they don't have that thing to deal with because for the duration of time that people use time turners, they exist in the world more than once. (laughs) 
Angel's like, look, I use angels. <laughs> angels works too. Divine intervention works too. I, you know, um, I, I like the idea of, of using divine intervention or fate or uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Go, you know what, dude? That that's not what. You got to do that again because <laughs> that didn't work out the way we wanted it to. <laughs> do better next time, Potter. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I, mean, but, um, I wanted to throw a Greek god or two at it, even you know, whatever it takes to to deal with that suspension of disbelief problem. I am terribly enamored with Zir and my whole black dragon thing. I'm really, really in love with that whole thing. Um, I have actually a fic called the Black Dragon, where it's a time travel where Harry was murdered and he lingers um, in the original timeline until his thirtieth birthday, and Hermione visits his grave and admits that she's in love with him um and he appears before her and asks her to come with him and she takes a leap of faith and they go back in time and they're being guided by the black dragon and he's on earth with them in um his form as a really tiny little drake it's kind of like mushu on mulan (laughs) He's like a pocket dragon. He's got a lot of attitude, and um, he, uh, he he's he's guiding them through this um, the um, these changes so, so so they can both have a better life and um, get around all the manipulations. And it's just really interesting, and I like the whole black dragon thing and and Zier, and um, I especially love him in um, Dracula Lowell, uh because he's so. Um, He's he, he's very paternal in in Darkly Little. In the Black Dragon, he's more like you know how there's a good angel and a bad angel. <laughs> well, there's oh, he's only the bad a black angel. dragon. There's only a black dragon sitting on Harry's shoulder, literally a lot of the time. And um, it's yeah, it's it's interesting, and I, I like that. I like that whole time travel thing, and I love parcel um, magic. I love to put um I I love to explore cuz cuz it's so unexplored in canon the whole parcel tongue thing. So you can do whatever you want and no one can fuss at you and say, "Well, that's not canon." <laughs> I love that. I love being able to do the rituals and the parcel magic and um conclaves and covens and because that's really unexplored in Harry Potter canon because she didn't want to delve into elements um of genuine rich witchcraft in her fantasy story, which I understand because it would have probably made it a more difficult sell because um, it yeah. is a children's book. Um, but uh, it's really interesting. Um, and I had someone fussing on me for using um, all these elements and still using the term warlock, which is apparently basically an insult and in, an insult in, in pagan religion. It's basically a very dark, bad wizard, um, a warlock. And here's the thing about that. I don't respect anybody's religion. I don't care what you think a warlock is. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. I really, really don't. Um, but it's really stunning that someone can come at me like that when they know I'm an atheist and assume that I will have respect for their religion when I don't respect anybody else's. Yeah. I um, mean, it's just it's warlock probably, means oh, it's, and so. probably somebody who's angry, who's mad about the the pagan thing or the the Wiccan thing, um, is like probably doing a, a dance of 
joy over you, you know, not caring about that, you know, like Abrahamic religions or whatever that you that you you that you're not invested in, you know, their myth in that mythology. And then they're like, well, wait a minute, but what, aren't you invested in my mythology? And you're like, no, why no. would I be? Why What's would the I matter be? with you? Jeep says that warlock actually means oathbreaker for the pagans. That's fine for them. I'm not a pagan. <laughs> Just you're a Potterhead. Totally different. <laughs> I don't get really care about you. Straight. Um, and people get really offended by that. Um, and I don't understand that because. Oh, in Scots, what like in uh, Celtic. Celtic? Warlock means that in Celtic. Is that right? Celtic? Scottish? What is the Scottish language? Is it Celt? Celtic? The word is Scottish. Is it really? <laughs> Warlock means oathbreaker. There you go. Um, but no, I don't really subscribe to that because uh, but for me, um, the, um, the, the term warlock is canon. Gaelic. Thank you. Um, I knew I was, I, it was right there on the tip of my tongue, and I could not find that fucking word to save my life. I hate that, like when the word's like right there and it won't come out of your mouth. But that's what yeah. I was experiencing. Um, but uh, the term warlock is, is, is canon in, in Harry Potter fandom. Yes, Chief Warlock. And it's, and it's canon in a positive fashion in canon. Positive and um, powerful fashion. Right. So, but yeah, so people, I've, I've gotten fussed about that. And I'm like, I don't understand why you think I should care. Because I don't care about anybody else's religion. Why should I care about yours? I mean, there are times where I go out of my way to be blasphemous. Why do you... <laughs> think you'd be an exception. <laughs> I don't Well, and in modern and in modern uh uh western society, um the meanings behind a lot of words are irrelevant today what they used to mean because there are a lot of words that mean the opposite of what they used to mean. Um, I, there was actually a word the other day that I was reading about meaning opposite of what it means today. I can't remember what it was. But, I mean, literally the exact opposite. So, like, if, if it used to mean something, it now means something good, and it used to mean something ne- very negative. Um, but in the dictionary, it's just warlock is simply the, a man who practices witchcraft or a sorcerer. Um, so there's no there's no there's none of that historical context attached to the word anymore. So, you know, but people can get really bad out of shape about really crazy stuff and they really want you to know about it well language is it evolves a living living breathing thing um, I had a discussion with my husband about the word racism and how racism basically used to mean um, it's uh, racism and bigotry are starting to blur together the, yeah, they're not the, the same two terms thing. But they're not yeah. the same thing. Racism is um, a power dynamic, exercising mm-hmm. power over a race of people. Based you know, that's that that's racism, and bigotry is um, negative 
opinions of a, a race of people based essentially on their race or their religion or anything like that. But more and more you see in in the media you see the words racism and bigotry blurring together and being used interchangeably. Which offends the fuck out of my husband. Right. It's typically the the racism historically was more understood to mean something that a the majority inflicted upon a minority, a majority group, a majority powerful group inflicted upon a minority group. Mm-hmm. Bigotry can go any direction, um, but racism was something that was was happened based upon, like you said, a power dynamic, and it it wasn't a power dynamic of people who were in the typically not a power dynamic of the people in the majority. So it was something that was inflicted upon a minority group, or um, it could even be a majority group. It was inflicted on them by by uh, um, an invading force that had a majority where their power base was. But I mean, it's, it's very all convoluted historically how the, the evolution of racism. But people are trying to kind of dilute the word. I think it is a deliberate a deliberate attempt to dilute the word um, to just make it be synonymous with bigotry. And I had I had a big argument with somebody about the term reverse racism, and I said there is no reverse racism. There is no such thing. It's not possible. What you mean is that somebody's a bigot. You're, what you're basically trying to tell me is somebody in a in a minority group is a bigot, and I I don't know, but that's certainly possible. It's not the same thing as um, racism. Agreed, agreed. But it is, but that blending is happening, um, and I see it a lot um, more amongst. Younger people than older people, and yes, I am an equal opportunity atheist. <laughs> We're against all theisms. I just don't believe any of it. And like I said before, my husband was like, "What happened? What would happen if God came down to you and I stood in front of you?" I, I would ask him why he was a dick, but I certainly <laughs> wouldn't worship his ass. Because if a higher being exists and he's watching over this planet, he's got a lot to fucking answer for. That's right. I don't want to hear that fucking free will argument either when when children die in the streets. Fuck that shit. I'd just be like, really? Childhood cancer? Really? 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 Microcephaly, really? Do we need that? Free will, motherfuckers, free will. Okay, um, the big, well, I think one of the biggest tropes in Harry Potter is the love potion trope. And I think it boils down to the fact that um, anybody with any kind of rational mind can't wrap their head around the canon pairings. <laughs> so there has to be something there. There has to be some kind of magic making that shit happen. Because it makes no sense. It doesn't matter if you're a Harry Draco shipper or a Harry Hermione shipper, or but you don't even Harry Draco shippers don't really understand how Hermione ended up with how she became a fucking participation trophy for Ron Weasley. So it must be love potions because that's just it. That's just what else is there? 
because she's she's brilliant and she's strong and she's brave and she fucking ends up with the laziest person to ever have gone to Hogwarts ever. You can't see it, but I'm I'm shooting a bird in the air just on general principle. Bird finger. Yeah, even J.K. Rowling admits that it's the the, the Hermione Ron pairing was a mistake, and that the marriage in reality would not be a healthy one. Well, and you know, I think she did. This is something, and this is just this is completely speculation. Um, but sometimes author writers get into this position of where they feel the pull of expectation. And I think that she was probably feeling the pull of not, of the expectation of not turning Ron into a third wheel. Um, And certainly, you know, she couldn't get, the obvious pairing was Harry Hermione. But then that left Ron, you know, and Ron wasn't the star. So it wasn't like he was going to wind up obviously with somebody because he was there. Because um, the closest person to their circle was Ginny, um, well Neville, but she wasn't going to write um, Neville and Ron together. Oh my God, I just grossed myself out. Um, <laughs> you just grossed us all out. There are a hundred people in my podcast, and all of them are sick. Thank you. <laughs> but um, the. Uh, I think that there was probably that element of, well, what do we, we can't leave Ron out. I mean, Harry Harry can get with somebody, but can Ron? Um, and I, so I, I sometimes, when I, when I read that pairing and I hear her own reaction a little bit to it, even though I don't think she's really explicitly said anything along these lines, I think that there was um, the pull of expectation that led to Ron and, and Hermione being together, even though it made absolutely no sense. Because, see, for me, I always thought she planned the pairings in advance and didn't, and then felt committed to it, even when the writing made it unhealthy. That could be, because some people do get very committed to their plot. Although, I've always felt an element of some stuff was decided later. Like, I mean, I thought, I definitely felt like the Horcruxes were um, not planned at the first, at the time of the first and second books. Um, but maybe they were. I mean, I'm, I'm not in her head. I don't know. Her. I haven't read her plot notes. So, um, I don't think she has any plot notes. I think she's a diehard pantser. Um, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is. Um, even though it hurts my heart. Uh, <laughs> but I, um, I often, I do believe the Harry Jenny thing was to give Harry a big fandom, a, a, a big family. Um, but the Hermione Ron thing, I think that was she wrote herself into a corner. But the thing is, is I think because um, everyone talks about how much chemistry Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe have. Um, oh, but if she had watched those movies before she did the final book <laughs> and really paid attention to the chemistry, because my mom said that the chemistry between the two of them was explosive. That, that there was no point that even. Like by the by the seventh movie, even though she'd read the book and she knew what was going to happen, she didn't understand it because <laughs> it didn't make any damn sense. 
it doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all for for Hermione to wind up wind up with Ron. Um, now I could see Ron being a blip in her love life when she was younger, when girls are going through that insecure thing, because the smartest girls go through it, but they get over mm-hmm. it. They get over it. Hermione would have gotten over it really quickly. Like Super having spent one afternoon one afternoon with him would have solved it probably. Because I think the biggest mistake that J.K. Rowling made in Ron's characterization in the last book is when she had him leave again. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore gave him a way back because even Dumbledore knew he was faithless. Knew he wouldn't be able to stick it out. Oh, it's terrible. It is terrible. And it says so much about his character. Just, if if he can't hang tough in the middle of a fucking war when they're living day to day and may not live to see tomorrow, um, can she trust him with anything? No. What happens when their child gets really sick? What happens when she goes into labor? What, what what happens when she gets promotion at work and he doesn't? What happens when she becomes the fucking minister of magic, which she does in canon, right? Um, and he's working at his brother's joke shop. He comes home every day to fucking minister of magic. Do you think he ever outgrew that jealousy? Because I don't. No. His his ego and his 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 issues with envy would have sunk their marriage. Not even counting the whole mother in law factor. Oh god. Which is why we all go to it must be a love potion. It must be a love potion. Because it's the only thing that makes sense. And this is one of the things that happens <laughs> with things that don't make sense in canon is people will find a solution. They'll find something to make it make sense. And if that is a love potion, <laughs> as ugly as that is, that's what's going to come out. I always thought he was going to be their pedigree. I, I thought that was the setup. Because even in the very beginning, it was never going to be Neville that would be Peter, because um, Neville was was honorable, even in the face of of, of being um, disliked by his friends. He he was very honorable, so I I knew it wasn't going to be, and I thought there had to be one, because I thought that, that was the mirror, right? I thought it was going to be a mirror, but but, and he did betray. Harry over and over again, but never the same way, never the way that Peter portrayed James. Well, I think, yeah, I think he was there, Peter. He just was did it in a much more fickle way. Um, I don't think he was brave enough to, well, maybe he was. Maybe, maybe I'm not giving enough credit for bravery. But I, I think he was lazier than Pettigrew in a way. But they had the same character flaws. The same issues with envy. 
I would not say that Hermione Lucius makes more sense um, because Lucius is a violent, dark bigot, and Ron's just a lazy ass, an emotionally manipulative lazy ass. Um, but Lucius Malfoy is a, a bigot. He he participates in what boils down to an attempted ethnic cleansing. Mm-hmm. This is not a good person by any stretch of the imagination, but you can't compare Ron and, and Lucius because that's like apples and peanuts. <laughs> <They're not even laughs> the yes, yeah, it's I not mean, even two fruits. It's... <laughs> There's a, I mean, you know, you can rewrite Lucius, but in canon, he is disgusting. He is just as disgusting as Snape, just as disgusting as, as Voldemort. Maybe even more so, actually, than both of them combined. Because not only is he all these things, and not only did he en- enslave himself to Voldemort, he indoctrinated his own son. Mm-hmm. And gave now his the, son to that monster, too. Now, the interesting thing is, even though Lucius is probably based upon his actions in the later books, probably worse than Snape, is that he's actually easier to redeem than Snape, because we don't know a lot about... Um, we know, or I should say, we know less about what went on with Lucius prior it, back. I mean, we don't have that... You don't have that big stumbling block of... Um, the stuff that Snape did with, um, like, bargaining for Harry's, I mean, for for Lily's life over Harry's. Um, so you don't have that, you don't have some of these big stumbling blocks with Lucius to redeem him. You don't have to go as far back, because it's just easier to kind of deconstruct him a little bit um, and just, you could have him his father. I think one of the common tropes for dealing with redeeming Lucius is that he was under, um, he was forced by his father to get the dark mark. He never wanted it. Um, and then you just have his events picking up in book one, his his actions in book one from that point forward being different. And so you don't have to do a big reconstruction on him. But Snape, you've got that issue, you've got that fundamental issue of him bartering for Lily's life at the expense of Harry's. And that is so ugly that it's really hard to get around. You it have is, to just... You have yeah, to deconstruct him back to before that point, whereas Lucius, you don't or, really have to. So he's an easier. You have an to have Dumbledore cut e- person. Yeah. For me, he's an easier um, um, re- person without without doing a big deconstruction. It's easier to redeem Lucius than it is Snape. Um, one one thing that bothers me about the Lucius characterization in, in, in Fanon is the idea that he's loyal to his family. Yeah, if he I, I if agree. he was loyal to his family and he put them first, he doesn't put the Dark Lord in his house and give him Draco. Right. He doesn't show up in the cemetery the night that. Riddle is resurrected, he goes to Hogwarts, gets his child, his wife, and he leaves the fucking country. That's what a man does to protect his family. That's not what Lucius does. Lucius is a coward. 
I've seen stories where Lucius feels because of the dark mark that he has no choice, that he's trapped in 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 what he in in being tied to Voldemort, uh, and that even though it's going to get him in trouble, that he has an exit plan for uh, Draco and um, Narcissa. Um, there are I mean, I've read that it's an interesting spin on how to deal with those issues, and that that when when it seems like Voldemort's back is that he sends them off into hiding, even though it's going to get him in trouble. Um, so there are ways to address that. If you want him to be devoted to his family, there are ways to address showing devotion to family, but it just can't be he cares more about his family, and so he lets Voldemort live in the house with them. Which, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. He could have he could have easily saved face with um, uh, Riddle by saying that Narcissa left him and ran away and and and, and took Draco with her. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where they are. I don't know. That's just. Um, the whole, the whole Lucius Malfoy thing. Um, uh, he's there not a good person. Tro- no, he's not. And there are a lot of tropes. There's it's like in, in Harry Potter, um, almost every character that is common in in the fandom, um, Ron, Hermione, Harry, Ginny, uh, Lucius, Draco, Molly, uh, Dumbledore, Snape. I mean, all those all those characters. It, it's a fandom that interestingly has a lot of characters that are used a lot. So even in a story where it's one of the reasons why it's for me it's hard to write Harry Potter small is because there's so many characters that um, are easily pulled into the story, and but when you but each character interestingly has tropes that have developed around them, and that's something I don't think I've run into in very many fandoms because I mean if each character often your main characters do have certain tropes that are developed around that particular character. But Harry Potter, it's like a ton of characters have tropes around them. Because people, some yeah. people focus on different characters. So there's a ton of tropes around Lucius, and there's tropes around Narcissa, tropes around Bellatrix, Voldemort. I mean, everybody's got these little tr- small tropes, some of them even big tropes, that it develops around these characters. And, um, I mean, it can be really interesting food for thought about how to adjust things to get the result that you desire out of your story. Although you have to be careful that your trope mix and matching actually winds up matching at the end. Because you can contradict yourself. <laughs> it is really easy to contradict yourself when you're when you're when you're making trope salad. <laughs> A trope salad. Fuck it, throw it all in. <laughs> and Harry has twenty five titles. <laughs> yes, and he has 25 titles. Yes, exactly. Somehow. But now, it nobody... is actually common for a noble to have secondary titles. Um, sometimes as many as three. Um, because uh-huh. uh, in, in history, that they were given as um, rewards. Um, oh, here, have a barony. Here, have this barony. Um, but you marry somebody... In, you, you inherit a barony you know, from your uncle or whatever, um, and you might end up having an earldom and two or three baronies. But to have 10 or 15 
is a little ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And more often than not, the the noble carries the most powerful title, and the others are set aside for their children, for their sons. Right. So, so he like might if, be Lord Potter, but he wouldn't be Lord Potter Black hyphen uh, Gryffindor hyphen Peveril hyphen Slytherin. Well, he. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be any of those things anyway, because technically he'd be Lord whatever his title name was. Um, right. Now, we kind of, you know, we kind of this kind of this Fanon thing that that wizarding nobility works differently than the actual um, nobility in the UK. Um, but you know, it. And if 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 Harry was the Earl of Gryffindor and he had a dukedom as well not a dukey a dukey is something completely different but if he had a dukedom um he would he would be known by his whatever his he wouldn't be called he wouldn't he wouldn't be lord gryffindor he'd be lord whatever his dukedom was because that's a higher title than an earl but he wouldn't yet, be lord know, yes he'd be a, he'd be your grace right the duke of whatever i the made a mistake unicorns. um because barons are called lords, they're not called barons. Like if if um, Harry was a baron, he wouldn't be Baron Potter. He'd be Lord Potter. A right. barony is the lord title. Um, I, I have a page on it, but more often than not, it it gets really frustrating. So. I don't like the multi-marriage ones either. I don't like harem fix, which is very popular in the Harry Potter fandom. Um, although there really is that really adorable fic where um, Hermione is uh, basically taking McGonagall's place at um, Hogwarts and they're having a reunion. And she keeps inviting Death Eater parents to, to Hogwarts um, for parent-teacher conferences and she kills them and Harry you know is is basically running around like a hit wizard and um Susan Bones is the director of the DMLE, DMLE and she's just as bad and they decide during their reunion to go back in time and there's like Harry and all these witches and then because they go back in time so far Harry spends his years in his child body even though he's an adult um roaming around Europe killing Death Eaters. So by the time they get to to, um, Hogwarts at 11, um, Hermione's actually got a PhD in some science in Muggle University because she got tired of being in elementary school. Um, And Susan Bowes has been writing textbooks that they actually end up using in in the school. But but regardless, Harry has killed so many Death Eaters that parents have gone out of their way to get their children not sorted into Slytherin. So when Harry and his entourage get to Hogwarts, they decide to all sort Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Harry and like all these little girls. It's Susan Bones, Luna, Hermione. Um, there's, a, there's 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 a couple Daphne. There's several, um, and the teachers think it's adorable. 
that um, that Harry has a harem at, at eleven because they all those little girls just follow him around. It's 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 funny as hell. And they do end up getting bored with Hogwarts. And after um, Harry ca- caught Voldemort while he was roaming around killing Death Eaters, and Susan like uh, performs an exorcism spell on him, so he's not even a problem anymore. Anyway, they get bored with Hogwarts, so they 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 pull all their money together and go to Australia. <laughs> It's pure crack. It makes me laugh my ass off. That's the only harem fic I've ever read and enjoyed. <laughs> I don't know that I want to break my streak. It sounds intriguing, but I don't know that I want to break my streak of never well, there, having enjoyed a harem fic. <laughs> there's not have a any record. actual harem stuff in it. And he doesn't ah. consider them his harem. It's just the teachers think that they're his harem. And also, because they they have this privacy spell that one of them designed, it's fucking hilarious, and every time the teachers try to eavesdrop on their conversations, all they hear are the little girls asking Harry to buy them ponies and calling him daddy. <laughs> God. It's fucking hilarious. He killed, oh, he gets so mad because Neville accidentally kills Snape. And he had planned on killing Snape, and he didn't get to, and he was furious. But then Neville um, became like the Romeo of the whole school. All little girls just thought he was amazing, and so Neville got a harem, too. (laughs) Because he accidentally (laughs) killed Snape with an exploding potion, and Harry was furious. (laughs) Because he only came to Hogwarts to kill Snape. (laughs) The people are discovering that there are a lot of harem fics in Harry Potter. There are. It is a huge trope. Harry has a harem of like, of of it. it pick any woman in the series and possibly any, any woman in the show and or I mean in the books and perhaps not even. And there's a story where they're in Harry's harem. Um, I haven't. I don't read. I don't read them, so I can't speak to. I'm sure there are some well written ones out there. Um, I have not. I don't read harem fics. And the reason it's not a trope I enjoy um, is because harems are not equal relationships. Um, there's no, you can't, in, in a harem, you have one person in the center. Um, and a lot of people, there, there's just no, there's just not, it's, there's no romance there um, for me. Um, where, there might be isolated romance, but as, as a relationship overall, there are a lot of women in partial relationships who don't have, in, in these kind of situations, in most harem stories where um, they don't have equal weight, they don't have um, a, a, a partner or two partners' full-time attention, um, and I, it's just it doesn't appeal to my my notion of romance. So it's never been a trope that's appealed to me. But there is a lot of it. Um, I'm sure there's some good examples out there for you if you're interested in it. I think I found it. Give me a second. Kira's on a fic hunt. (laughs) 
Another while she's looking for that, another another huge trope, and one Kira explode, explored recently um, in Harry Potter, is Harry goes dark for whatever reason, usually because he's been pushed too far, and that's that was the um, the Harry hits his breaking point, and he's not, and that breaking point can be all kinds of places um, in the story where he's pushed too far from his childhood, he's pushed too far during. Um, uh, he's pushed too far during schooling. He's pushed too far after. Darkly loyal was he was pushed too far, obviously after. Um, um, oh, I missed the link. He's pushed too far after uh, he's an adult and gets married, and that's what causes him to go dark. And. It, it, it's an inter- I find that to be an interesting trope. Um, I think one of the most, um, one, some of the more unusual spins on it are where he is corrupted by the um, Horcrux. Um, not always an easy read there. Uh, I can't even, I can't even, I know I've read some of that like that, but I'm not. Um, having anything come to mind. Um, the thing that I was head. talking about where Susan Bones and Hermione and a whole bunch of other girls go back in time with Harry um, is called Reunion by Rorschach's Plot, um, and it's on fanfiction.net, and it's 61K. Fucking hilarious. Isn't this the same writer who did the one where Harry goes on vacation and just sort of Make a wish. kills a bunch of people? Yes, yes. Yes. Make a wish. Rocks literally fall and make a wish. Makes me laugh. I I have honestly awesome. rarely laughed at anything so much in my life. I don't know what's better, when rocks fall on Umbridge or when the Death Eaters port key into the pool. The pool. <laughs> the pool. The pool is my favorite. Or the one where they, there's, there's also a fic where um, they port key onto the wing of a plane and get blown off. <laughs> or they apparate. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Fucking hilarious! The pool, the pool is fantastic. Um, And the thing is, is they keep dying, and 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 they keep. um, And Harry's going by Mr. Black, and so Mr. Black becomes this legend all over the world. (laughs) Yeah, a legendary assassin, and he keeps accidentally killing these Death Eaters, and he goes to like this this Hit Wizard conference and accidentally kills a whole bunch of them. It's hilarious! Oh my god, I don't know what's more fun: the Vila, the vampire thing, the pool, the rocks falling on Umbridge in Egypt. It, it's just it's just, it's amazing. And a lot the, of times Harry's not even aware it's happening. Like he has no knowledge that some of these things have happened. It's like they happen behind him, and he's not. That didn't even clue in. It's awesome. And I say that as a person who doesn't usually read anything even remotely like crack. But I do make exceptions for crack in the Harry Potter fandom because you can just go so over the top in such a delightful way in Harry Potter that because you've got magic, that it's like, Magic. What's the answer to that? Magic. It's happened because of magic. And so it it sort of has this weird blurring. Magic makes the line between on what crack is um, remarkably different. It's like, I don't know, it just, it really works. I 
I've got a fit. Willis says there's a number of fix where he defeats Voldemort. Then the muggles find out about the magic and destroy the world. And Harry goes back in time to basically kill all the muggles. I actually have a dimensional um, travel fic where muggle, um, after, during the war, Voldemort um, exposed magic to, to the rest of the world. And all the time, muggles were developing biological weapons to destroy magical people. Um, and they were using the blood of squibs to develop these biological weapons, people who'd been thrown out of the magical world because they didn't have magic, but they had the genetics. Um, And so one of the things he does when he goes to his new world is tell them, the magical people there, what's happening in the muggle world, and we need to see if it's happening here too. And if it is, we need to fix it. Not kill them, but fix it. We need to, to erase our existence from them, from all of them. Um, and that, um, I, I think I did post a little bit on my EAD, yes. Um, I, I do think that one of the things that's kind of unexplored um, is the ramifications of, of how they treat squibs. Um, it is explored, but not explored on a level of some tropes like fix it or time travel or love potions. Um, I think that if Harry had died in the chamber, the Horcrux would have died with him. And then when he came back, when when Fox um, cried in his wound, um, he would have come back without the Horcrux. If the Phoenix had killed, I mean, if the wound had killed him. Yeah, I just don't think. I mean, you could. You, that's that's a spin you could take on that. To, that would be that'd be a novel way to get rid of the Horcrux at that point in Harry's life is to give. Phoenixes that kind of resurrection power. Um, that's never been the way I've interpreted that scene, but it's certainly something you could do. Is that phoenixes have like a a um, um, a power of resurrection? Of some, oh with, God, with I just bunny myself. With maybe like a newly dead person that they can actually bring them back, and um, maybe they make them a phoenix or something. I don't know, and that it gets rid of the Horcrux in Harry, which would dramatically change a lot of things. I have a fit called Magic Skips, and I'm not sure if I posted anything about it, where Hedwig gets shot by a centaur, um, and um, she's dying. And Fox, and I, I have her do the same thing in Dark Little Lull, and that's where this, actually the, the Dark Little Lull scene came from the other fic that I have in progress in my work in progress folder. Um, and Fox burns with her and turns her into a phoenix. Um, but it would be interesting, like you said, if... Um, the way Fox saves him in the Chamber of Secrets is that he burns with Harry. Yeah, that would be interesting. And Harry comes back now, as human, and no one what knows if, what the bird has done, what the, what the phoenix has done, until much, much, much later. I just had a terrible idea, too. I know, right? The spin on that that I was thinking about is what if burning... Cause Fox comes back as a chick. What if Harry comes back as a baby? Petunia would lose her shit because you know Dumbledore would take him back right to her. Well, but Fox wouldn't. That that would be Fox's chick at that point in his, in Fox's mind. And my, though I would I would write it, and Fox would have something to say about where that baby was going, like right at that moment. <laughs> 
Yeah, but would Harry grow up fast the way a phoenix chick does, or would he? Well, it's probably I would probably wouldn't write it that way. That'd be my chance to do a, you know, Harry goes to America's, you know, raised by Tony Denozo kind of thing. <laughs> Dun da da. Plunk. Why is this red and yellow bird in my house? Oh, it's giving me a baby. How is this season happening? <laughs> oh God, that would be so bad because you know everybody in Britain would blame Ron and Jenny for the boy who lives death disappearance. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> yes. That's another trope. Harry goes to Azkaban for um, the events of the chamber of the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, um, or for some other reason. There are a lot of Harry goes to Azkaban um, spins. Um, sometimes he gets framed and sent to Azkaban. Sometimes he. Um, uh, goes to Azkaban because for Vol- do around Voldemort because of Cedric's death. Um, I mean, the, and the thing is that actually, I actually, I don't typically read Harry goes to Azkaban stories because they can. Um, it it freaks me out when a good character gets jailed. I don't. It's just. I, I have read a, a one or two, um, and they, they were really good, but it does freak me out. Um, so I don't read them very often. But it, it, but considering how corrupt the wizarding world is in canon, it is a completely reasonable thing for people to suppose that it would be fairly easy to frame Harry and see him sent to Azkaban. Um, the other twist on that is that they find a reason to put Harry in Azkaban. You see this a lot after he defeats Voldemort. Um, that's probably be, would be one of the easiest times for me to deal with a false imprisonment because uh, like if I were to write it I would write Harry um, like raising the wizarding world over it um, you know like he he escapes and he burns the world to the ground kind of thing in, in kind of a figurative way. He takes over, I don't know. Or or yeah, because he's an Adams and and it's a vacation because he does yeah. go in the um in the uh uh Harvest Adams series. Um um he does go to Azkaban um for fun. <laughs> vacation home. <laughs> really enjoys himself, comes back to Hogwarts. When I for the the first time I, cl- I clicked on Harvest Adams, I was looking for Adams fan fiction, um, Adams family fan fiction, and I'd read one where John Watson was an Adams, um, and he lets Sherlock dissect him a little. Anyway, I'd read that and I thought, you know what, I need some more Adams family fix. So I went over to fanfiction.net because I couldn't find it anywhere else at the time, and I clicked on Harvest, and the first scene. You see Harry, and he's killed the Dursleys, <laughs> and he's trying to figure out. He's trying. He's like seven, eight. I don't, he's he's young, six, seven. He's trying to figure out what to do with the bodies. And Morticia comes in because she's sensed his darkness, and um, she uh, she praises him, and he thinks he's going to be in trouble with them, but they're like, "Oh, darling." 
look how sweet you are. And Gomez is like, let me help you with the bodies. <laughs> let me show you. This gets a saw out or something. It's like shows him how to dismember a corpse. <laughs> shows him how to dismember the corpse to get rid of the bodies. And I'm like, I'm going to love this so much. It's going to be disgusting how much I'm going to love this. And I did. I, I, I loved it. And one of my also favorite scenes is when um, Gomez catches Harry dressing up like Morticia, basically, um, and um, in a little dress and, and makeup, and um, he uh, he's like, well, no son of mine is going to do this, and and Harry gets really nervous, and he goes, without his own clothes, and we're going to go shopping, <laughs> <laughs> and, Gomez, and Gomez takes him shopping for his own dresses. <laughs> And his own makeup, because he that way he won't have to share with anybody else. I'm like, that is awesome. And then he goes to Hogwarts in the girl's uniform, and um, or a kilt. I think he picks a kilt, uh, which is still legally a boy's uniform, and they can't let him, they, and they can't make him change. And it's, it's really funny. And um, but yeah, and he, he I gets really sort of Slytherin and does terrible things to Blaze and Draco. That they're very willing to endure. Right. It's like he gets sorted into Slytherin, and they're like, I don't think we're dark enough for you, dude. <laughs> and when the Adams families, when they hit the uh, train station to drop Harry off, Lucius Malfoy's like, whoa. <laughs> Is that an Adams? Oh, my Holy God. Shit. They're back. <laughs> hide, the, hide everything. And you know when, when the when I first I didn't think I was gonna like this story at all when I first heard about it I was like there's no way and then I started reading it and I don't know it's there's a lot to the series it's quite a lengthy series if you look at all the different stories in the series and I don't I guess it's like twelve hours later I was still reading and it's like six o'clock in the morning I hadn't had any sleep <laughs> and I start I start quoting parts of the story to Karen she's like are you still reading that I'm like I haven't stopped <laughs> <laughs> it is. Charmingly dark. It is charmingly dark. The Sherlock Adams family one, where John Watson is an Adams, um, is 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 really interesting because, um, especially John's backstory with his mom um, being put in in a mental institution because they catch her um, seasoning her children's food with arsenic. Um, which they both enjoy, but apparently, uh, you know, obviously is is not a normal thing. And um, so John and his sister have to hide who they are and, and what they are um, to to not be put in an institution with their mother, um, and so that their father will start looking stop looking at them like like they're crazy. And then um, one of the more interesting moments is um, when Wednesday comes to visit John because she's decided to grow up. And um, she talks about the boy that she loved, but um, he grew up without her, and he got married, and he has kids, and it makes her sad. And so she wants to grow up now, and um, she's going to have a birthday. And her parents send her to John to learn how to blend in so that she can go to university and, and, you know, 
find her Gomez, I guess. <laughs> and it's really, it's, it's, it's really good. That's the John Watson is a Adams family. Um, he's, he's part of the Adams family. And it's really interesting. Even the part, so like where Sherlock's like, can I like look inside? <laughs> Are really interesting. <laughs> Cause John left him. The summary on that part is Sherlock experiments on John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it, the part you know, when about it comes Windsor to growing actually, up are really interesting. So, but you know, there's always a different there's always a different way to approach a trope. It, even if you think, I mean, I would have thought before reading Harvest Adams that that every every approach to Dark Harry had been covered. Um, and then I read Harvest Adam and I'm like, nope, I'm wrong. And this, and it was done in such a charming way that you were kind of both delighted and occasionally grossed out, but mostly delighted by how dark Harry was. And sometimes horrified. And like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. Like, oh, that was, whoa. Because there are a couple times where I was like, whoa, my limits are being pushed. But I'm going to keep going. Um, like, <laughs> right? Because you yes. can't help yourself. And you can't I'm, help yourself. It's like. But you know you're in for a treat when Morticia and Gomez take Harry to the train station and Lucius Malfoy is afraid of them. Yes. And that happens early enough in the series that you're like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be so good. You're like, yeah. Because that scene is right up there with the one where Morticia finds him and praises him for killing the Dursleys. Yes, I agree. Lucius is And he decides too. his name is going to be Harvest. He names himself Harvest. Harvest. And, but, you know, the funny thing is sometimes, sometimes the trope when I go, when I go reading, because it's funny, I read a story once where somebody was like that they were trying to write without any tropes. Like tropes were a bad thing, which was a little bit kind of like head tilty because usually – whether we know it or not, we're, we know what tropes we like in any fandom. And, we, and sometimes we're, whether it's sometimes consciously looking for a specific trope, and sometimes un, uh, un, unconsciously um, we're kind of looking in, in like three or four different types of tropes. We know what we want to read, and that's what's going to pull us right now is that selection of tropes. Tropes are a good thing, right? And um, sometimes tried and true is exactly what you want. It's like you, you read a story, it's a new story, and it executes on the trope just perfectly. It, like, hits all the buttons. Um, it's got, you know, the author's got great craft, great characterization. The trope is just delivered spot on, and you're like, yes. And sometimes somebody takes a twist on the trope, and they just bring it to you in a way you've never seen it before, and you're just as excited. It's like, yes, this is awesome. Um so I don't think I don't think there's right or wrong way to approach any any kind of Harry Potter tropes. Um, sometimes I do think one of the things I think sometimes it does happen in in Harry Potter people are trying so hard to be original that everything gets lost in translation and you're just kind of confused. You ever had that where you're kind of head tilting through the whole thing, going, "Huh? I don't yeah. get it." And then you feel like you need to read it again because you think you missed something, but you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. Um, Did I skip a chapter by accident? Let me go back. (laughs) Click it. Click, click, click. (laughs) Okay. No, I didn't skip a chapter. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. understand. What happened? 
Because if you read fast, sometimes you do miss the one line that's really critical, and you back up and you go, aha, that's, that's when the thing happened. But sometimes you're just befuddled and you start slowing down and you're like, I don't understand what's going on. Um, and I do think that there is... You I check mean, the tags hard. and it doesn't say Gibbs the douchebag, but Gibbs is a douchebag. And, <laughs> He's a douchebag, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, there, there is a thing... Um, there is a, and, it's, and actually I've discovered it's a deliberate, it's a writing style, it's a thing people do. It, there's many different ways of employing secrets in a story. And one of the ones that is, can be very frustrating to the reader, depending upon how it's executed and how long it's allowed to go on, is when you're keeping something secret from the reader. And one of the most frustrating ways for that, that particular spin on the trope, the secret trope where the reader doesn't know what's going on, is to have all of the characters talk around the secret, but not reveal it. I just saw my brain. Right? And the thing is, there are are people who really write this a lot, where the characters talk around the secret. So it's like everybody knows, literally everybody in the story knows what is, possibly even everybody in the world the story is set in knows the secret, except the you. But you, the reader. And so you're kind of like, am I missing something? And the thing is, that the reader not knowing something, like in a mystery, um, can be a very effective plot device. But when the, when, the, when the characters are talking around something that they know, but the, deliberately not being dis- disclosed to the reader, it can get super frustrating super fast. Because um, it's just it's confusing. So when they're going, is this what I think it is? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it looks like. Oh my God, what are we gonna do? And and the reader's sitting there like turning the page, like looking at the book upside down, going, what what did I miss it? And then they back up, and un, unbeknownst, this is this is deliberate to try to engender um, suspense. Um, it, for me, that but more likely doesn't. to engender frustration. Frustration. <laughs> frustration. I'm just gonna get mad. I'm just going to get mad and resent that five ninety nine I spent on that book. <sighs> bitter, bitter regret. Yes, it's like, I don't care. I don't care what it is anymore. I don't care what you all know, and I don't. This sucks. I don't want to be part of it. And the thing is, it might not suck. It might be awesome, but by then I'm so frustrated I don't care. So <laughs> that is, um, you know, that's one of those things you have to learn how to balance some plot devices or suspense devices, whatever it is you're doing, is that if it's something that can be frustrating, is you have to learn how to balance when to stop. And I think Uh, it's it's rare. I think it's also important, while I I believe that um, you have every right to strive to be original um, and to turn a trope on its head and, and re-examine it and move it around and see what you can do with it. There comes a point when that behavior can get super fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. That you strive to be so original that you totally reinvent the wheel and the wagon. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's when you're trying so hard to be original that you stop noticing that you're not making sense. Um, 
And sometimes it's like, but it would have made perfect sense for Harry to, you know, do X. Oh, but that would have been the trope. And it's so obvious that the person is trying really hard not to do the trope. Um, mm-hmm. So when when the trying to be original, when, when that element in itself, the originality, shatters the suspension of disbelief, it's like, but it doesn't make sense. Then you've gone too far. Go far, but don't go too far. <laughs> the delicate balancing <laughs> act. Like, yes, Push we love the limits, but don't cross the line. I don't think going back in time 2,000 years was appropriate. <laughs> no, that was a little bit far. And, or, and, you the know, founders hand, aren't even born yet. <laughs> going back in time 2,000 years and not changing anything. What are you doing, Harry? What are you doing? Did you just get bored? Did you want to watch what? 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 You're just hanging out? Come on. One of the more interesting potion ones I read, and I didn't look like I got a, a genuine resolution, is the one where Arthur Weasley was potioning people. And he potioned um, Ron and Hermione and Harry and Jenny, and he accidentally potioned Lavender Brown. And that's really? how he got found out. Because he potioned her first, thinking that was the girl that Ron wanted. And then when Ron changed his mind, he potioned Hermione. Well, Lavender still had this obsessive love for Ron after the war. Um, And the healer found the potion. And come to find out, um, Arthur Weasley had been potioning his whole family for decades. Including his own wife. It's really interesting. That's an an interesting spin on the the character trope, which is of Molly being usually the... The horror show in the family. We got a minute left. I don't know the name of that fic. I'm sorry. Um, If you if if you look up Arthur and love potions, you'll probably find it. I think it's pretty unique in the fandom. Um, We're down to sixty seconds. Um, I might do another part to this, like part two, because I don't think we really covered all the tropes. Um, So we'll do a part two. So many hairs. So many. So so we'll do a part two. And um, you guys have a great evening. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone.